Passage Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Welcome, Bass Edge listeners. That's right. We got another episode right here coming at you. Bass Edge Radio, October 1, 2017. Aaron, are we going to get through this? Do we double down, triple down on hurricanes? And, uh, dude, hopefully now we're in October. We've got that stuff a little bit behind us, right? Well, I'm certainly hoping so because there's definitely been a lot of devastation, a lot of people out there whose lives have really been impacted, you know, and it's very, very sad to see when you see all the pictures and everybody's homes being turned upside down. But, you know, one of the good things that does come out of stuff like this, Kurt, as you know, is people getting together, whether it's donation of money, donation of time. You know, I certainly know that uh, Keelguard, Megaware Keelguard, they had a couple Zodiac boats out there with the protection and, and the keel protectors on the front of those because a lot of those guys were having to go down the streets running over mailboxes and cars just to get people out of their houses, you know. And, I mean, it's just been absolutely nuts. And, of course, always good partners of us is MegaWare KeelGuard. So certainly put on the protection the pros pick by visiting them at KeelGuard.com. Yeah, certainly got to keep all those people in uh, Florida, you know, even up toward mid-Atlantic and obviously Texas in our thoughts. And, um, you know, it'll all come around. We'll pull through. But uh, it seems overwhelming, obviously, when uh, those things start up and, you know, we're in that first 30, 45 days of those things happening. And it seems like, wow, how is this? going to recover. And uh, slowly but surely, things are going to get back together and people will be talking about bass fishing in those parts of the country instead of all the other things that have been going on there. Yeah, no but, doubt. Did you happen to see where I think it was one of the Houston Texans players, you know, started just was going to raise some money, you know, for the hurricane reliefs and ended up raising, I don't know, it was, it was a ridiculous amount, several million dollars, you know, by just starting that up. J.J. Watt did that. Yeah. So um, it, it did take off. Obviously, very, very popular player, just so everybody knows his his younger brother is playing on the Steelers. That's that's my team, you know. <laughs> so uh, JJ Watt's younger brother, I forget his first name, but uh, anyway, he's playing for the Steelers. But I shed a tear for you, Aaron. You know, football season is here, but uh, there is no Rams in St. Louis. <laughs> you, you just you just had to bring that up, didn't you? Yeah, I still watch the Rams. Try to watch the end of the score just to to make sure that they're losing. Um, you know, that's 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 <laughs> my interest of football, and, and of course our Mizzou Tigers, or to say the least. They've been struggling a little bit, but uh, that's all right. They'll get it together. We're waiting for basketball season. How about that? Hey, you know, whatever it takes, just keep positive. Always, just like everything else. Just got to keep positive. Keeping positive. How about the Angler of the Year race? And then also a great showing by you and your team at the Douglas event. Yeah, had a good little show in there. Douglas, top 20 event. Um, Typical fall fishing, which we're going to talk some, obviously continue to talk some. We we talked about in in some of our September shows and now into October, we're going to continue to talk about fall fishing even more. Um, my keys for a top 20 at Douglas was to uh, put my head down and uh, push hard. I was throwing a little square bill crankbait uh, course, you know, paired with my Hayabusa TBL 930 treble hooks. The uh, I was using an old crankbait, so it was really important to, uh, you know, replace those treble hooks with the TBL 930s from Hayabusa, but really the deal there was Douglas was coming down. The lake is turning into that winter drawdown, so so 
there's very little cover on the bank. So in a lot of instances, I look at what I was fishing and I'm thinking, why? And the only reason I was fishing and targeting specific areas was based on the amount of bait fish present. There were some little irregularities in the rock and some things, you know, kind of on the bank, whether it would be some more chunky rock rather than flat stone rock or uh, those types of things, or maybe a little bit flatter. I was looking for flatter banks were really key there. Um, You know, you've got your 45 degree banks or your 90 degree banks, you know, bluff type banks. But I was really looking for those flat banks. It seemed like those fish were keyed up in that zero to two range. And so Um, were you you paralleling the bank? then Kurt or were you kind of making a 45 degree cast or how were you approaching that? Yeah great question a 45 degree cast is what I was utilizing and you know paralleling would have been tough because of the flatness of what I was choosing to fish Um, I would make long casts as long as I could and not burning that square bill but just really trying to get that good bump and grind going across those rocks you know trying to get the deflection going um, just creating a little bit of havoc and several fish I caught in the pile or in a mound, a dark cloud of bait fish that I could see out in the distance. So I was targeting those bait fish, targeting those rocks and kind of those fish that were really just there for an easy meal. You know, we had our water temperatures coming down. So I felt like there was more fish coming to those shallow areas, more bait fish coming to those shallow areas. And of course, anybody that watched it, it ended up being a, uh, a river run event. And uh, the guys that had some jet, well, they weren't jet boats, they were prop boats, but they call them tunnel hauls. Um, those guys were really effective. The uh, the winner of the glass boat tournament was Hunter Shryock, who ended up second place. But uh, Ott Defoe actually won the event. So uh, it was a lot of fun, but typical fall fishing and, um, you know, just working hard to catch some of those fish. You know, I wasn't catching 10 or 20 fish a day. It was one of those deals. You know, you're getting, you know, six to nine bites a day and usually four or five, maybe six of those were keeper fish. And I was fortunate day two. I had a really nice one. I had a four and a half pounder, which was uh, which was a great, great episode. That's, that's exciting. Well, quickly before we head on to the next segment, I do want you to touch a little bit on that crazy angler of the year race and with the tournament that finished up there. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, you bet. Huge shout out, obviously, to Brandon Polinick for uh, bringing home the 2017 Bassmaster Elite Series Angler of the Year. Um, he's been here on Bass Edge Radio before. We're going to track him down, get him on the show again. But uh, obviously, you've got to give him a big shout out. And uh, Keith Combs. Keith Combs won the event. Yeah. The most eight in the three-day tournament. Another great friend here, Bass Edge Radio. And uh, Keith, man, you know, these last couple of events, we're going to talk about this in the next show or two, and that is about big baits, big smallmouth. He was using a one-ounce football jig with a full-size rage crawl on the back of that thing. So uh, I like throwing a lobster. That's exactly right. So uh, that was really cool to see. And, and actually, we have an outstanding smallmouther on the line right here with a little tip from protecttheharvest.com. Hang tight. And this is the protecttheharvest.com tackle tip with Chad Pipkins. One of my most favorite things to do is smallmouth fish. And anytime I'm smallmouth fishing offshore, I use straight floral carbon. A lot of other applications on spinning reels are braid to floral. For one specific reason, I use that straight floral carbon on smallmouth offshore fishing. You need that little bit of delay. When you get post-frontal high skies, 
lot of times those fish come up and they actually don't even inhale the whole bait. They just grab butt into the bait. And when you don't have any stretch at all, it feels like I have that bait and you start pulling into the fish and it feels like they've got the bait completely and you actually take and you pull the bait right off the hook. Anytime I'm nose hooking those baits for offshore smallmouth, I'm going straight, eight pound fluorocarbon. And that is the deal. It's a soft delay. And you're going to get a good hookup and you're going to get those fish to swallow that bait and to commit better. That's a great tip. Thanks, Chad. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Fishing Boats is now the official boat of Bass Edge Radio. Be sure to check out the Nitro Z-Series Performance Fishing Boats. The 2017 lineup features five boats ranging from 17.4 up to 21 foot 2 inches. Two new models for 2017 include the Nitro Z-17, our entry-level bass boat at 17 foot 4 inches and rated for 115 horsepower. The flagship of the Nitro lineup, the Nitro Z-21 at 21.2 in length. Its performance and fishability is unmatched. Designed with input from top elite pros like KVD, Edwin Evers, Rick Clun, and Ott Defoe. Nitro Performance Fishing Boats. Champions aren't born, they're made. Hey, 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 we're back, y'all. Welcome back. More Bass Edge Radio. Always keeping up with my Bass Blaster. And uh, for those of you that are not getting Bass Blaster, I'm going to tell you again, get on board. Bass Gold at BassBlaster.com. That is the deal. That is the website. That is the email to send to get Kumar to shoot you this cool information. The cool thing recently, I felt like, Aaron, let's discuss this a little bit. Um, They were talking about Gene Gillen, Conservation Director at BASS, basically implanting the motion or idea that we are getting over the top on conservation and it's going to bite us in the butt. What's your thought process? Well, first, let me say this. I'm not a biologist. I'm certainly conservation minded like I think all anglers and, and outdoorsmen are. So I generally tend to lean a little more heavily on the people, the biologists that are in the know. I do think we're treading on some thin ice here and I have happen to understand where Gene is coming from. And of course, he's referring to how the fish are being handled, or I should say how it is being presented to the media. And the rules that they're trying to put in place, right? Yeah. And he's talking about that we've done it this way for years. We've seen actually bass populations have just exploded ever since going all the way back to, you know, the inception of Bass Angler Sportsman Society with catch and release and everything else. So I think we've got to be very, very careful that we're not opening up a barn door to let a lot of the activists and the extremists come in and kind of change this. But I also will say, I do still think that when we are handling fish, we do need to minimize and be aware of their slime coat and any time that we are going sure, to, sure. you know, leave a footprint. Anytime we touch a fish, just to try to do it in the best, you know, just a smart way. And, and that's that's my take on it, Kurt. I mean, I know that's not scientifically backed, but that's where I stand. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that. Some of the recent things that I, I think we've seen this are boat flipping fish and the fish rolling around on the carpet. Um, we've seen, uh, you know, the cull clips taking a new approach where we're more 
are in a conservation call clip mode where we don't pierce the jaw of the fish, the release aspect of the fish. And I think a lot of these things were started through Major League Fishing, quite honestly. You know, a lot of those rules and things that they've put into place to try and uh, make it more of a game or give penalties for different things that have happened. And then that's kind of transitioned to bass trying to pick up some of these things like they had the catch, weigh and release event at uh, Sam Rayburn this past year. And, um, you know, you just keep hearing these little things. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think a conservation clip is great, you know, not to pierce the inside of the jaw of the fish. I think it's fine. But I think when we start looking at, you know, flipping a fish overboard and it dragging on the carpet, I mean, sure, we want to minimize the effects. But, hey, let's not change the way we have to land bass, right, to, to do that. I mean, if you've got an eight-pounder, you're not flipping it anyway. You know, you're going to get right. down flip it or belly land it or whatever but uh, you know if you got a two pounder you're going to flip it and sometimes you're going to grab the line and hold the fish and sometimes you're not but where does it end right so if hitting the fish on the carpet is that bad or holding the fish a certain way that's another thing that's come out and I, I agree holding a big fish and, and supplementing your weight with your other hand so the whole weight of the fish isn't being held by its jaw is, is appropriate and it's nice to do but is it necessary there's thousands of fish that have been held with just the jaw and it's not the end of the world we got to keep it from being an end of the world situation for a bass otherwise is hooking a bass the end of the world yeah and i mean it comes down to you know i often had a i had a person tell me one time that you know what you cannot legislate morality and you know i think that's where we've got to be very very careful because most like i said i'm going to go back my mantra is most outdoorsmen, people, anglers, hunters, you know, they are very, very protective of their resource. And, you know, it takes a lot of money to do these sports and they want to make dang sure that they have the funds and the resource, not just the cash, but the resource to be able to go out there and pursue. I agree. So let's take care of our fish. Let's take care of our, our, uh, Let's have good conservation, but uh, definitely wanted to shoot that into the show because I think it's very emphatic that uh, a conservation officer of a organization has come out and said, hey, we need to check ourselves a little bit here. So um, keep that in mind, all you anglers out there. And um, I don't know, that that's kind of just, you know, where I wanted to take that today. Let's close it down on a high note. I, right before yeah. that article was, I don't know if you happen to see it, but Kumar went into uh, Tommy, our good friends, Tommy Biffle and Pete <laughs> Glusick on, uh, on on the how much they look alike. So hats off to those two for being good sportsmen. But that was hilarious. I thought. Yeah, definitely. That was that was a funny deal. And and you know, Pete, Tommy, I gotta say, you guys starting to look like brothers now. There's no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've been keeping up with these uh, giveaways we're doing on our social media, Aaron, man, this has been a lot of fun. Some Bass Edge listeners out there getting their hands on a lot of awesome product for the cost of nothing, just uh, having fun with us on social media, and that's been really cool. And in October, we are keeping this thing going. I have been able to put together a little pack of Hayabusa fishing hooks, so uh, be sure to log into the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 
Bass Edge. Check out what we're doing there. Just a simple little um, activity with our social media. We'll put your uh, essentially name in the hat to win some Hayabusa fishing hooks. The number one selling bass fishing hook in Japan right here. That's right, in the United States. So uh, excited to be able to give that away to a Bass Edge listeners for this month. Yeah, that is exciting. And, um, you know, don't forget, we're actually doing that on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I need to get some of those hooks, Kurt, I can, but I guess I can't enter. So anyway, never mind. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can make something happen, buddy. Don't worry. Yeah, you know a guy, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. All right, man. Well, let's keep this thing rolling. We have on the line, guess who? Well, I'm not going to tell you. The Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight starts now. I am Marcus Sikora, FLW All-American Champion. Hi, this is 2014 Bassmaster Classic Champion Randy Howell. This is BASS Elite Angler Boy Duckett. I'm BASS Elite Pro Aunt Defoe. Hi, I'm Bass Pro Shops Angler Casey Scanlon with you right here on Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. This South Carolina angler is a two-time champion on the Bassmaster Elite Series and recently snuck inside the 2017 Angler of the Year cut, eligible to compete in his third Bassmaster Classic. Big shout-out to Jay Will, Jason Williamson. Welcome to Bass Edge Radio, Jason. What's up, Karen? How are you, buddy? Doing great, bub. Well, man, Jason, it is good to have you on the show because you're one of those guys that are a staple on the Bassmaster's Elite Series, actually, for 11 years now. You've seen it all, obviously, and can bring a tremendous perspective to our audience. What does it mean to you to qualify for your third Bassmaster Classic and second in a row? Well, it's pretty special to say the least. It makes it even more special to be in the, my home state of South Carolina. You know, when I qualified for my first Classic, you know, I didn't really know how to deal with it or handle it. There's so much hype and activities going on around you. It really is a kind of a big distraction, you know, and it's hard to stay focused on fishing. But, you know, I've been at a couple of them now, and um, it's a pretty neat deal. But I've kind of learned over the years to stay focused on fishing and uh, if I can do that here in my home state of South Carolina I look forward to uh, having a pretty good chance of holding the trophy up at the end of that deal. You bet man that is awesome. Jason you came out really strong in 2017 specifically in the first several events Um, you know I started looking at some of your stats uh, the other day and and when you start looking at what you've accomplished on the Elite Series it's it's very very impressive almost a million dollars in winnings probably you know for sure in 2018 You'll, you'll surpass million dollars of earnings in, in the Bassmaster uh, Tour. And it's strange because you usually do really well up north. This year, the latter part of the season kind of was a little tough for you, although it was great to see you hold on to that classic berth. What would you do differently in those events? And kind of explain to some of our listeners those last couple of events. You had Champlain and St. Clair. And of course, the last three events you could toss in, you know, St. Lawrence in there as well. And there was a lot of giant fish caught, but you kept hearing guys saying that the fish was wasn't that great can you talk a little bit about that to us and, and maybe what you think you could have done to improve well you know obviously the time on the time water, water is uh, it makes a 
you know, a person be a better angler and would help me a lot, you know, if I could come up here and spend some time. But, you know, looking back on those last few smallmouth tournaments, I'm normally, like you say, I feel like a decent smallmouth fisherman. But when we got up north this year, fishing was a little bit different. And what I mean by that is I didn't get near as many bites at any of the places that we went, you know, especially Champlain, looking back on like even Mill Lax, the fish were bigger. It took more weight, but the bites were so few and far between. And I don't know if it stayed, you know, looking back on it, I think it stayed warmer longer. The fish were kind of more scattered out. And, um, you know, as some of the viewers out there will go back and look at some of the shows coming up, I don't think you're going to see a lot of fish catches like one after another, like you're used to seeing smallmouth fish. And it was really weird to me because I just, not any of the places we went, Kurt, I didn't get a lot of bites. Right. And, uh, so it leaves a smaller window, you know, for mistakes. They really hurt you when you're not getting a lot of bites. So I also had to fish a lot shallower at some of these lakes. I'm used to fishing for smallmouth and 18 to 25, even out to 30 foot of water. A lot of the fish that I ended up weighing in come shallower than 10 feet. So that's really unusual for me as well. But I would say the fishing weight wise was better. The fish were bigger, especially at St. Clair. I think that's one of the first times probably since Larry Nixon won the FLW several years back it there were several 25-pound bags weighed in off of St. Clair. Those guys were, were not running to Erie. So it was just a lot different year. And, and sometimes these lakes go through cycles to where the fish here get bigger, the bait's bigger, you know, and it's an adjustment. And if you were to come up here like before the off-limits and spend some time and learn that the bait's bigger and the bigger smallmouth are living shallower or they're living deeper, it, it just it, it goes a long ways when you come back for derby and you got a lot of that stuff in your memory bank and you're – you got that little bit of experience that gets you started a lot quicker. But, you know, looking back on it, to sum it up, I, I wish I could have went up north and spent some time, and uh, I think that would have helped. But all in all, if you go back and look at the weights, it took more weight to get a check than it's ever taken at Detroit, Erie, St. Clair. All those, and even um, the St. Lawrence River, it just took more weight at, at that 50 cut than it's ever taken by like two pounds, not just ounces, right. but by pounds. So there were some things working against us there. You know, I had some lost fish, some lost opportunities. I, I made some mistakes, and uh, thank goodness I had a little bit of a cushion coming into the north. You bet. But it definitely didn't go the way I wanted it to go, but it could have been a lot worse as well. So, uh, you know, one that sticks out for me is Dardanelle. I really missed the boat on that deal. There's a lot of flood and a lot of rain, you know, and I didn't get it in the right areas there and that that tournament i think hurt me worse than any but up north was a disappointment you know we survived st lawrence and got paid and had a decent event but like i said lake champlain and detroit i I love those two fisheries i've always done well they're done very well at champlain and just didn't get it done on the second day of either one of those events but you know we were fortunate enough to hang on to the classic it's in south carolina so uh it's not all bad for sure no definitely not it's a huge accomplishment and uh man it's gonna be exciting for you i know for that to be right down your road i think we're going to get into that here in just a little bit and talking about what's going to happen for you going forward you talked a little it is tough obviously to get out there and and uh, let's face it the economics of bass fishing don't really facilitate the ability to just run around and pre-practice all of the time if we did that we'd lose money every year i mean that's just the way it is and the way that the sport works but overall are you one of those anglers that sits in the woods in the fall or do you like to stay out on the water how will your fall become effective for your fishing or your activities later on this year well i'm not a big hunter uh by any stretch of the imagination i'm i'm not uh, one that sits in the woods and waits on a deer to walk by. I've got to be moving right. around. I've got to be doing something. So um, I'm going to dedicate a lot of time this fall and even through the winter up at Hartwell, just putting my time in and um, I'm going to really focus on that event. 
Um, I'll probably spend some of the fall at Lake Martin in Alabama. I think I've only been there one time. That's where our first elite is next year. So um, I'll spend a lot of my fall and winter on the water, um, especially during the week when it's pretty quiet on these lakes and um, just idle around and just learn how the lake flows, how the bottom looks. And, you know, hopefully what the fish like to relate to is the temperatures get colder. And um, that's what's going to be important. You know, a lot of people don't realize that as you get older and you have a family and you have kids, it requires time away from those people that are dear to you. And it also requires a lot bigger budget, as you were talking about, to travel to all these lakes before the 30-day cutoff and, and ride around and learn. And we have some of these young guys that are coming into the sport that some of them, you know, are married. I don't think very many of them at all, especially the new guys. I'm not going to mention any names. But, you know, they don't have a big family. They don't really have a house to worry about taking care of. And they can just travel and go. And, and it's hard to compete against them. It, it's a big difference. And uh, when you can spend time on the water and you can learn that body of water and you can learn you know how the bottom contours work and idle around and find little sneaky stuff that a fish or two hold on because you were able to spend that time you've got a pretty big advantage so you know it takes time away from family it takes a lot bigger budget to go to these places like you were stating and i'm one of the guys if it's within you know pretty short driving distance four to six hours i'll go spend some time there before the 30-day cutoff and learn as much as i can but if it's a long way off I just, my four-year-old daughter, my 16-year-old son, my 13-year-old son, we just, you know, we spend a lot of time together in the off-season because I'm gone so much. And I'm just, you know, I'm not one of the guys that takes a lot of time away from them if I don't absolutely have to. Um, and as they get older, that may change and I can spend more time out there. But as of now, that's just kind of how I work. But Hartwell's, you know, a couple hours away and, and I'm going to dedicate a lot of time this fall there. Well, Jason, you know, you bring up a good point there concerning when you're launching your nitro there on Hartwell with it being so close, a lot of anglers kind of have the opinion that you know familiarity in these type of situations you know the home lake curse if you will but yet this is the classic so how will you approach you know perhaps this tournament this classic maybe a little bit different in past classics that you fished well i had a decent classic out in houston i'm going to take the same approach here i, I was able to spend some time out there learn the body of water but this approach here is going to be you know I'll have even more time here. And a lot of this stuff, you know, we're so far out from when the Classic is, you know, a lot of what's going to happen in March is going to depend on how cold of a winter we have or how mild of a winter we have and uh, what lake levels are. And, and, and a lot of that's going to change. But what's important is being on that body of water and seeing it go through some of these changes and having stuff laid out to where, okay, at the lake level's three feet low this is the area i think i need to be in and you know so if you get a lot of rain and, and the water's dirtied up in certain areas that water is obviously going to warm up faster so just knowing where things are and how things are setting up and where the lake's headed what direction it's headed in is going to be really key so my approach is just to stay on the lake you know just keep up with what's going on with lake levels and how big the bait's running you know these herring lakes they change every year and i think that's why they've produced such great fishermen as in casey and marty and myself and it's a steady change and that bait how big it is and and where it's positioned going into march is going to be a big key so uh it's going to be kind of early for them to be on the bed yet spawning so i think it's still going to be about the bluebacks at the classic and knowing where those bluebacks are at that time are going to be huge right that's a great point there is a 
uh, a ton of excellent uh, anglers from your neck of the woods. And uh, man, you are right there in with them and right at the top of the list, I gotta say. You know, I remember a day we were launching for an elite event in years past. I can't remember exactly which event it was, but um, you mentioned something referring to the fishing day, kind of the fishing experience and in particular that tournament. But emphatically, as we were waiting there, you said, you're just waiting for your next time to come. And um, I think that's a really interesting quote. And and the reason I do is because the way that fishing, the sport of fishing is, you know, you go through highs and you go through lows and, um, you know, you, you kind of put your time in, you're doing what you think is the best way to find winning fish and applying yourself. And then eventually you kind of have an opportunity and you've got to be able to be ready to take advantage of it. Kind of talk a little bit about your mental approach, especially with, you know, a statement like that and, and waiting for your time to come, but putting your time in and, and working hard at what you do. How do you feel the overall approach to bass fishing is kind of a successful way to succeed? Well, you know, the thing with me mentally is as far as I'm concerned, I work hard. I give 110% all the time. And sometimes like, for example, in these last few tournaments of this year, like we talked about earlier, you know, you're putting your time in, you're daylight to dark, you, you feel like your approach is what it needs to be. And then you end up 80th you know what I mean right so it's like well maybe I shouldn't try so hard so sometimes anglers just put in so much time and they get you know aggravated and upset because it's not going your way but you can't really give up and stop putting 110 percent in and when I make that statement is I'm waiting on my turn and I really I'm a true believer in one of them statements that it's if it's meant to be it's going to happen and uh, you know when I won Amistad when I won Clark's Hill looking back on the week you know, especially Amistad, I come back and won the tournament by eight pounds. I don't, I could have made mistakes, what I'm saying that final day and still won the event, you know, and that's where I get, I think it's just meant to be. I I can't do anything wrong. Everything's lining up. I worked hard. All the decisions I'm making are the right ones. And that's the week, you know, when that week comes along, there's no denying it, you know, it's going to happen for you. And um, it's just like, I've seen Kevin win events. The last one I remember just, it pops in my head is at Toledo Bend when he catches like a eight or nine pounder on an XD. It's the only fish he catches there he gets a hook stuck in his hand you know he wins the event but that fish i caught at amistad that weighed 12 pounds it was just meant to be and so you sit there you work hard you put in 110 percent, and then all of a sudden after you know the weeks of 80th 74th you know maybe a 15th place finish then it's your turn so yeah. um, i'm waiting on my turn again you know it's been a while and uh since i've, I've been to victory lane and i'm ready to go back for sure you bet, man. Well, I'll never forget that. I thought it was, you know, like I said, a very profound statement. And uh, I think it's really important for weekend anglers to look at it that way, too. You know, they put in time. They get ready during the week. They're working hard. They get out there on the weekend. And, and not every weekend goes their way. But if they keep working hard like Jason Williamson does, like so many other anglers out there do, eventually their time's going to come because of what's going on in the background, because they're working hard. They're doing what they got to do to win. They're doing what they've got to do to be successful. It's not going to happen every time, but eventually your time is going to come around again. And Jason, we're definitely waiting for your time to come around. Hopefully it's coming up here next year at the Classic at Hartwell. But hang on tight real quick. Bass Edge Radio is going to take a short break as we continue chatting with the Tower of Power, Jason Williamson, on this episode. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 
Sign up to become an O'Reilly O Rewards member today and start earning instantly. O Rewards members earn $5 back for every $150 they spend, so if you haven't become a member yet, what are you waiting for? It's fast, easy, and free. O Rewards, it's your road to exclusive offers only at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Bass Edge Radio brought to you in part by Nitro Boats. Returns with Bassmaster Elite Series angler Jason Williamson in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil, high-performance marine products from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements. Visit them at lucasoil.com. It works. Jason, we are in October now, and fall is setting in around the entire country. I'd really like you to take us through your process once you're launching that boat. I mean, what are you looking for to identify where bass should be in the fall migration and kind of what lures might be effective that when you hit the water and start seeing those detailed information? Well, you know, Kurt, around the country, it seems to me in the fall, uh, one of the most consistent things that a bass, you know, whether it be a largemouth, smallmouth, or a spotted bass, one thing they do in the fall is they chase bait. They want to eat shad in the fall. For me, here where I live, on these herring lakes, they want to eat herring all day, every day. So it's very important for um, me to find where the herring are. Uh, and normally in the fall, I'm searching, you know, I got a big top water tied on. I got a Zoom Super Fluke in some sort of shad color, a jerk bait, a wake bait. Just I've got a lot of different top water, fast moving style baits tied on. And uh, I'm running from point to point, hump to hump, any high spot, anything that a blueback herring relates to in the fall. Normally, you know, on our lakes around here, you got a point that'll run out shallow and then drop off in the channel. The blueback herring is a saltwater-oriented bait fish, and they like to suspend. So where that point runs out, drops off into the channel, the bluebacks will sit out off that point suspended. So what we'll do is we'll sit out actually in deep water and throw towards the tip of the point and uh, burn our baits back and work our baits over where the point drops off into the channel. And normally, you know, that's where the herring in the fall, they'll bunch up there on that drop, and then your, your bass will be right there with them. And uh, when you burn those baits over the top of them in the fall here, it just causes, you know, the whole school to react and they'll come actually fight over your top water but uh, fall for me is one of my favorite times to fish for me on these herring lakes this is the time you you can catch a lot of numbers so i really like taking the kids fishing this time of year throwing top water we get a lot of bites all you know every day especially on like a cloudy windy day it's a pretty phenomenal fishing and that's clark's hill lake murray lake russell hartwell all those lakes are really really good fall lakes the fish bite really well and uh, they're all about eating hair talk about that real quick jason i'm I want to dive a little bit deeper into some of those details you were talking about. Sounds like cloudy weather, kind of that top water is, is starting to work. How do you effectively fish some of these types of areas you're talking about? It sounds like, you know, shad or the herring being suspended a little bit. If that sun is shining, do you continue working that kind of mid-level to top water action? Or do you start changing up and trying to do some other things to uh, kind of keep your bait in the strike zone when those fish are moving rapidly? I guess you would kind of consider it a transition. But really, a blueback is always in some kind of transition, isn't it? Yeah, they're always on the move. But basically, you know, when I talk about a blueback herring relate to one of those points, they're relating to the drop, and they suspend over the top of the drop. So they'll work around to the side of the point 
out to the tip and then maybe to the other side, depending on if they're pulling any current through the lake or, or how hard the wind's blowing, if there's any wind-generated current. But they're going to move around that point. They're not going to move three miles. So with that being said, when it's cloudy, the fish are more aggressive. So you can work your baits faster. Uh, you can actually throw bigger baits. And I think it's important for one of the details that I will let everybody know, and it's kind of something that seems simple to somebody, but it's a pretty big key. When it's cloudy and, and low light conditions, it's important for your baits to be white, at least have a white belly. And that goes for your fluke, any of your shad imitation baits, your swim bait, your top water. And that's the key when it's cloudy. They can see it better. You're moving it faster and they'll be just as aggressive. Now, as it brightens up, Kurt, and you know, the wind maybe calms down, the sun starts coming up, you have to change colors. And I've seen this even out in Amistad, you know, and you, and you know it as well as I do. When it's bright and sunny, you have to go more translucent. And those blunt white colors just don't work. So when the sun comes out, the wind lays down a little bit, I'm going to switch from a white top water to solid chrome. I'm going to throw a like a blue glimmer instead of a white fluke or something with some glitter, more translucent. And the same thing with my swim baits and stuff like that. But all of my bait, my fluke, my swim bait, and of course my top water is on the surface. But none of those baits am I going to let get deeper than three feet. I'm going to visually see all these baits all the way back to the boat. That sounds like a ton of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah no. and this year it is. This is the funnest time of year to fish a herring lake. The fish are bunched up. You know, you can look on your Lawrence map on your depth finder see where all these points run out and dump out into the channel you can see all the high spots and that's where they're out you can go to any herring lake if anyone's listening and you're going to blueback herring lake in the fall you can put your boat in 20 to 30 foot of water and throw towards these points and get bit so you, you just seen the flw horse with cup get one kind of that way so with that being said that's kind of what fall fishing is about here it's fun it's a lot of action uh, it's my favorite time of year. The kids love it. You don't have to be very super talented uh, this time of year to catch a fish on a herring lake where the rest of the year, you better know what you're doing. So right. uh, fun times, you know, and, and uh, we're going to do some of that here coming up in the next few weeks. And, uh, you know, this bike, Kurt, will last until it gets pretty cold, which sometimes is only in the November here. So uh, looking forward to getting out there and catching some of those schooling fish on, on these herring lakes. With the cooling temperatures, you know, one of the things that's often kind of overlooked because I think a lot of times some of us don't like being out on the water during that fall turnover. Uh, in your opinion, how does the fall turnover affect, you know, that southeast portion of the country and, and how will you know that the lake may be turning over? And then what can you do to combat kind of that fishing funk if you notice the signs of turnover are occurring while you're actually out there fishing? Well, you know, for years, it took me a long time to kind of figure this deal out. How I know that our lakes are turning over just about any lake you see bubble trails you see some bubbles but it looks kind of like a tea it's got like a coffee or a tea look to it and i don't mean like a, our lakes doesn't really get like a muddy like that um, I'm not saying a, a tea or coffee with creamer. I mean, just kind of a straight tea look. Um, still kind of clear. You can see, but you can tell there's there's something going on. And then you'll see a lot of bubble trails and stuff like that. But as far as when the lake starts turning over, it really affects the fishing, obviously. It's not good for it. It's just something that the fish have to go through a couple times a year as the lake turns over. My remedy for a lake turning over, and this was really hard for me because I know what lives out offshore, but I found that through this week or two span, 
that I found myself running up the river, fishing shallow, fishing wood, fishing docks, fishing a little bit dirtier water up the river. I do much better when that main body of that lake's turning over. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of negative going on as to getting a fish to bite. You're making a bass want to eat during that time. So I kind of simplified it, and, and I run up the river and just I fish the bank. Um, just, just regulation, flipping, square billing, buzz baiting, stuff like that and uh you know depending on the conditions but I, I like to fish jig on rock stuff like that so when that starts happening on our lakes around here i run up the river and fish the bank and i, I seem to do a lot better and I, I want a lot of money doing that during that time because a lot of the guys they'll stay down there because just a few days before that they were catching three or four pounders out there schooling on their top water and then all of a sudden it's just stopped and they're still out there trying to make it work and don't really realize what's going on and why it's quit all of a sudden like it has. And it's all about the, the lake turning over. Well, there you go. Those quick adjustments, super key. Uh, those are good tips for, for guys, you know, having some of those issues. And, and a, what a great alternative, Jason, to uh, express a, to Bass Edge listeners about how to keep the bite going. I was having a conversation with an angler the other day, and we both agreed a horizontal presentation in the fall was Nine times out of ten, much better than a vertical-type presentation. When I say vertical-type, I mean like casting you know, a football jig out deep or casting a Texas rig worm or, or casting a Carolina rig or, or some kind of presentation like that. Do you find that true in your fall fishing? It sounds like some of the techniques that you rely on, it, it sounds like it's the same way. Why do you think that is? Well, I think because mainly, yeah, first of all, to answer your question, yes, I agree 100%. And I think in the fall it goes back to fish moving around a lot chasing bait just steady on the go and on the move and i think that's got a lot to do with it you know it's um transition period kurt where fish they've been through a hot summer uh they haven't been very active things are starting to cool off and the fish are just on the move you know they want to feed they're getting ready for winter and definitely i think the horizontal deals is a big deal much better and i think it's a huge key in the fall you bet well i felt like the same way and i you know you mentioned earlier in the interview about how you know the fish are just so keyed up on shad and, and of course a shad's probably not swimming much from top to bottom it's it's swimming side to side so that probably has a huge part of it too but i just never looked at it in that simple actually of a perspective because you know oftentimes in the spring or you know in the winter as well especially you know late winter and early spring you know football jigs and in the summertime we're dragging big worms and, and a lot of different techniques such as that and then in the fall that horizontal presentation just does seem super key so uh Make sure Bass Edge Nation listeners keep that in mind when you're out there fishing this fall. Jason, we're going to move into the O'Reilly Auto Parts Better Parts, Better Prices Every Day Listener Question segment. Today's question comes from Manny Toma of Ontario, California. And Manny asks, what is your most memorable fishing tournament moment or experience? Well, I would have to say that's pretty easy for me. That was Lake Amistad on the final day, throwing a Osprey swim bait, catching the 12-pounder on the final day on ESPN cameras. I'd have to say that that is probably the highlight or one of the highlights of my career because that was the biggest fish that I've ever caught. And to catch it on camera on the final day to win the event was pretty special and something that uh, me and my family, my kids, and all of us will always remember forever. I think a lot of tournament fans and a lot of tournament anglers will remember 
remember that day forever as well. It was uh, pretty awesome to watch. Well, great question, Manny. Thanks for sending that into Bass Edge Radio. Please be sure to contact us through our Facebook or send us an email to support at BassEdge.com to receive your O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. And just a reminder to all Bass Edge listeners to send in your question to the show via our website, BassEdge.com, to have a shot at winning the O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card or shoot us an email, support at BassEdge.com, or leave us a comment on our Facebook, Twitter, and new to Bass Edge, the Instagram. Well, Jason, we really appreciate you taking the time to chill with us today. Do you have any closing thoughts or uh, remarks for our listeners? First of all, I appreciate you guys having me on the show, and um, just glad to be fishing the Classic there in the state of South Carolina, my home state, coming up here in March, and um, just looking forward to spending some time with the family this fall and uh, getting everything ready to go for the 2018 season, and um, just for all the guys out there who don't hunt, just keep spending time on the water and uh, simplify your fishing. Just, um, you know, you can't catch them sitting on the couch. You can't catch the fish sitting in the woods either. So uh, spend some time on the water, take your kid fishing, and uh, I really appreciate you guys having me here on the show. Well, you bet, Jason. It was great having you. I'm sure you're going to be a top pick for many guys that and, and ladies that play fantasy fishing for the Classic in 2018 there at Hartwell. We're going to send you off with our last little segment, four last questions for you. Uh, you ready? This is going to just knock these down, and we're ready to rock and roll. Filet right. of bass, yes or no? Absolutely not. What is the last picture you took with your phone? Of traffic standing still on the interstate after sitting there for an hour. <laughs> What's your most recent family memory? Uh, my 16-year-old son, Bryson, walking down to the dock and behind the house and calling me on his phone, and I looked out the back door, and he was holding up a seven-and-a-half-pounder. <laughs> what lake do you look forward to competing on the most? That would be Lake Hartwell at the 2018 Classic. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Jason. Bass Edge Radio will return after these messages. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Powerpole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Powerpole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Powerpole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to eight feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerpole, swift, silent, secure. Visit Powerpole.com to find a dealer near you. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. Certainly, as always, Kurt, great to have a new guest on, and Jason Williamson, he's been on our list for a while, but, you know, quite honestly, the guy's just a little hard to track down because he's catching so many fish. (laughs) Yeah, he does catch them, and uh, he's a great angler. One highlight of the interview for me, really liked his tip for Bass Edge listeners on the fall turnover. If you start seeing some signs, you know, seeing some, you know, maybe milkier or more stained than normal water conditions, you know, maybe a lot of set in the water. Jason talked about some bubbling in the water, that kind of thing. Those are key signs for fall turnover. And you start seeing that fall turnover 
it starts to get tough. You see the pattern start changing pretty dramatically, and it's just a hard time to get bit. Run up the river. Look for some moving water. Look for, you know, some shallow water fish that aren't nearly as affected by that turnover. I thought that was a great tip by Jason. Certainly is going to happen to a lot of us this fall as things are transitioning, you know, probably way up north early October. Probably some of that transition is already completed, but certainly in the southern states and and a lot in mid-America, that transition is happening right now, that fall turnover. So um, keep looking for those signs. And if you see those signs, fishing seems to be ultra tough, just can't get it to work out. Move up those rivers, get into some of that moving water, look for some of those shallow fish. Great tip. Thank you, Jason Williamson. No doubt. And as mentioned, you know, certainly the bodies of water do not all turn over at once. So you can move around, play kind of that chess match to get out of that stuff, get to some better water quality, and hopefully it's going to be some better results on the end of your fishing line. Speaking of the end of your fishing line, we are at the end of this episode. As always, we appreciate Kurt and I both. Sincerely, you guys hanging out with us for each and every episode. Just a reminder, great giveaways going on on social media, and that is through Facebook, Twitter, and the new Instagram. Be sure and get a part of that, and you can hook up on all the goods through Bass Edge Nation. All right, for Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. Thanks, everybody. We will see you in two weeks, October 15th. is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.